0: Welcome to Season 3 of the Financial Fofu Podcast, where we talk all things finance, money and mindset. To find out more about us or to listen to some old episodes, you can visit us on our Instagram or Facebook pages or check out our website. So, let's get into it today.
1: Welcome everyone to today's episode of a Financial Fofu. We are
0: talking today about advice and where do you go to get advice from? That's right. And it's a bit of an extension on last week's topic about protecting your business. Yeah. Um, and getting the right advice for your business is really going to help and protect your business as well.
1: Sure does. <laughs> but where, where do you go to get advice from, Trudy? I mean, look, guys. Well, often- I, I ring you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and I ring you. <laughs> and if you can't help me, you tell me who to ring. <laughs> well, this is what
1: I was about to say, right? Like, often you and I get a lot of questions from people about who do I call for this mm. and who do I call for that? And Sarah, yeah. do you know an insurance broker? Sarah, do you know an accountant? Sarah, can yeah. you do – yeah, like – and. I have spent a lot of time building quality advisors in my mm. sphere of influence and in my pool of referrals because I don't believe that you can do business without them and I use yep. them personally and I also pass on their details to other people. That's So right. why is this so important though? Why is this topic so important? Because, I mean, I could just talk to my friends about this, right?
0: You could talk to your friends about this, but have they spent a lot of years in education and training and practicing in that area.
1: But, yeah, okay. But what about, like, the people you met at the pub or at the barbecue that seem to have an opinion on everything and they know lots about, like,
0: lots? and Well, they they might know lots about lots, but, again, they haven't spent the time with training and the education. They probably haven't spent the time to sit down with you and understand your particular... That's the key here, isn't it? Yeah. It's the
1: unique circumstances. And look, as a broker, we always say this is that your circumstances are so individual. And mm. and whilst there's a billion different lenders and a billion different policies out there, you have mm. to literally put the peg in the right hole for your unique individual needs. And unless your circumstances are identical to the person next to you, you're not going to be able to get the same loan or borrow the same loan amount or buy the same property type or anything like that. Because let's
0: be honest, no one's circumstances are identical. No. And look, a really good example is that you go into lots of business Facebook groups and there's always someone asking a question about, should I switch to a company? And the Mm. answer really very much is it depends depends. because it does depend on Mm -hmm. a whole bunch of factors. I would sit down with you and ask you about, um, your income for the business, your other income. Um, what's your spouse earning? What's the plans for the business? Um, there's a whole bunch of things that we and would look at, and especially
1: if you're in a services-based business, whether yes. it's personal services income or PSI, and, and how you're taxed. Yeah, because right. that impacts what you can do within a company and what you whether you should just be a sole trader. Yeah, you exactly
0: know, all right. of those
1: things are so important. So I suppose it's we sort of touched on at the end of last week mm. about pub advice or barbecue yes. advice, <laughs> and. There is a place for it because sometimes you can learn something from these people. Sometimes they've got really
0: good advisors questions. themselves. Yeah, but they can also give you some great questions to go back to your advisors and yeah. ask. But yeah. having said that, I'm not sure that I would be taking their word as gospel. No. Right, because they're not the ones that are working in the industry. They're probably not up to date with the latest rules and regulations and the latest advice around how things should be done. Um, And they're probably also basing it a lot on what they do and what works for them and their personal circumstances. Yeah. Which can be very different to your personal circumstances. And uh, I guess a recent example for me is I had a a lady ring me up and she was uh, given an offer for a new job. And the employer was basically saying, you can come on as an employee or you can come on as a contractor. And she had all these people telling her, set up a company and go as a contractor because you'll pay less tax. Mm. But when I sat down and had a chat with her and we worked through her personal circumstances, I said, no, you can set up a company and be a contractor if you like, but you're going to pay exactly the same amount of tax that way as you will if you go on and as an employee, just because of how the tax was going to work for her personal circumstances. circumstances. Right? And she sort of said to me, well, does that mean that everyone that I spoke to is doing it wrong? And I said, it's possible. But it's also possible that they have other sources of income and they have other hmm. things going on U- in that company, Unique circumstances. Unique circumstances <laughs> that then change the way that the tax works for them. Yeah. Right? So, yes, listen to these people, but with a grain of salt and with a question to go back to your advisors as, is this going to work for me and my personal circumstances or is it not something that's going to work for me? And for this particular client, she goes, well, there's no point then. I'll just go on as an employee and keep it simple. Yeah. Yeah, for her. For her. And it was good that she came and got the advice rather than having spent a lot of money setting up a company that she didn't really need.
1: So I suppose the thing is, is that when should you seek advice? How do you know
0: that you need advice? Look, um, I guess a rule of thumb is if you're about to go and spend some money on buying an asset or... Sp- buying a business or setting up a business that's Sub- probably substantial change substantial in- change that's a yeah. good time to go and get some advice or on the flip side you're about to sell something especially if that something is going to have some tax implications they, for you they may not know that it's going to have some tax, so tax maybe just okay. go with if maybe it's going go to in- sell yeah. something and look <laughs> I-, I will actually just have clients ring me and say look i'm i'm gonna go and sell this car um I was just about to say I learned the hard way
1: about selling a (laughs) car years ago. Out out of the
0: business entity, um, is there any problems with that? And I can quickly look at their books and go, well, actually, yeah, because we've written the value off to zero for tax. So anything that you receive in as cash is going to be be taxed. Right. Taxed. Right. And that's a <laughs> problem I had because
1: I didn't ask my accountant before I sold my asset. And
0: look, <laughs> a lot of the sometimes implications were. sometimes it literally is a five minute conversation. And why would you not pick up the phone to your advisor and have that five minute conversation?
1: Right? I suppose it depends on the type of advisor that you've got, the relationship yeah. that you've chosen to take. And often, you know, we've talked about this before, whether there's any cost. Mm. So perhaps you are better off with a package that is a monthly fee that includes some extra time than just paying a set fee for a return once a year um, because uh, you can pick up the phone and have these conversations, conversations,
0: right, and build Um, a relationship with the advisor as opposed to being transactional. And look, you know, maybe every advisor is different but – I would rather my client pick up the phone for that five-minute conversation to say, I'm thinking of selling this asset or buying this asset. Is there going to be something I need to be aware of? And I can say, yes, we need to have a half an hour conversation. It's going to cost you this amount of money. And the client can then make the decision of whether they want to spend that money and have that conversation, right? So I would be also trying to find an advisor that would at least have that five-minute conversation with you so at least it can put up either a yes, red flag, we need to converse about this or yeah. oh no go for it that shouldn't cause you any issues yeah. so
1: one thing to get to the bottom of if your advisor doesn't take your calls mm. doesn't return your calls maybe it's time to find a new one yeah and i know. a lot of people it's a common issue unfortunately and i know it can be because of a friction between brokers and accountants <laughs> but with our clients if brokers Need something, and the client needs something for their financial statements, and their accountant is difficult about it or Mm. doesn't take their calls, and that's impacting their ability to do other things. Maybe it's time for a new advisor that actually understands your circumstances and wants to work with you. Sure, there may be a cost to that, Mm. and that's okay because time is money. We're all in business, we're all entitled to charge for our time, but if you don't have a relationship or your accountant doesn't get back to you or you can't, they don't talk to your other advisors. Yeah. They're not, um, what's the word? Slip my mind, you know, like diligent about returning yeah. calls and, and things like that. Then maybe they're not the right advisor for
0: your needs uh-uh. um, and your business oh. needs. As, as, as you said, you know, I work with a lot of different advisors. If I know I've got a client going for finance, mm-hmm. I tell them to give the broker my details. And if the broker wants to contact me directly, that's Same. fine because sometimes the conversation is quicker and easier between the two of us because yep. we both know what we're trying to achieve. Yep. Um, there's not um, always a need for the client to be in on that conversation. It's like
1: I have I have
0: accountants that will
1: ring me and ask me about the details of a, a loan agreement mm-hmm. or did, what did they do with this asset when they purchased this asset? Was it done as a high purchase? Was it done as a commercial loan? Is it on book? Is it not on book? Yeah. Is there anything we need to consider here? Um, yeah. And similarly, like when I refer for business advice, often they'll come back to me and say, all right, Sarah, what was the purpose of why you referred for the business advice? What are you thinking based on your innate knowledge of this business and where their goals are and what they want to achieve?
0: How do we then factor those into the structure to make sure that they're getting the best of what they need? Yeah, yeah. And look, I also regularly have financial advisors that will have been given some advice Mm -hmm. that they know is going to have some sort of tax implication. Yes. The advisor will literally just flick me the advice saying, have a look on this page. You probably need to know this for the return. Or have a look on this page, I've told the client to come and discuss it with you because it's not something that they're allowed to advise about. Yeah. You know, you you want advisors that are going to have that relationship with each other because it actually makes your life easier as well. Yeah. As a a client. Yeah. Yeah, completely. Um, Completely. We also, I guess, today wanted to run through a few circumstances that we've dealt with (laughs) where either the client did the right thing and came and got advice or or maybe we kind of wish that they had Come a little earlier. Yes, Um. everybody out there, I am sick of pulling rabbits out of hat at the bloody 11th freaking hour to sort you out because you just didn't come in the fair. Right. So so ring Sarah about three months before you want to buy the <laughs> thing. Yes. You know damn right? straight. <laughs> Give her some time.
1: <laughs> but it's true though, right? Like unfortunately though, some people that are technical specialists, you may not um, either want to pay their fee or mm. you may not believe that what they're saying is accurate. And you go with somebody else that's telling you it's easier. Mm. We can just do it like this and then often it doesn't work
0: that way uh, and it falls apart and then everybody gets stressed. So give us an example then. What's the time that's happened?
1: Like off the top of my head I've had a couple of things with um, like other self-managed super fund loans. Oh, yeah, yeah, you can do that. No, I can get that finance for you. And then I've said, no, you can't. You don't have um, the right income within the fund from your – You have as a self-employed person, you haven't been paying yourself the SGC contributions that you would have got if you were an employee, Mm -hmm. and therefore we don't have what's called serviceability within the fund because in a self-managed super fund, we just use the super contribution and yeah. the rent. And we don't have to include anything else um, as long as there's a, a, a corporate trustee, not an individual trustee. Mm-hmm. And But you haven't been paying yourself rent. So, I can't use proposed or projected income because you haven't been paying yourself super. And other brokers will say, yeah, 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 yeah. And then they go and they sign a contract mm-hmm. and then they can't get finance. And then they're ringing me going, what do I do now? <laughs> Yeah. You need private funding. It's going to cost you 15% yeah. until you pay yourself super contributions for 12 months and then you can refinance. Like like that has happened. It's, oh, has I'm, happened.
0: I'm, I'm sure it's happened more than once.
1: <laughs> Same with business finance or um, car finance, like I've had mm. similar ones. Like I mean, fortunately now, like the quality clients that I work with and I'm in a position where mm. I can pick and choose the type of clients that I work with because mm. I don't want to be pulling rabbits out of ha- at the ninth <laughs> hour anymore
0: that's or the fun. 11th hour. It's magical. Or, it's not fun. It's no, not fun for
1: anyone. No, it's, it's not stress- fun for you as the accounting stressful. advisor or the mm. financial planner. Mm. Um, and that's the same thing in terms of um, when we work with multiple advisors and if It's a specialised purchase, like self-managed super fund. It's front of mind right now. If the other advisors that they've chosen to work with don't have knowledge in that space, it becomes very complicated. And when I say, guys, you need to go off and these are the ones that I would recommend because they have knowledge in this space. And they Mm. say, oh, I don't want to pay two sets of bills. And then we had one where the stamp duty was registered in the wrong entity name because of the complications of a super fund structure. And they potentially would have been up for double stamp duty in 40 mm. years time, so on or 30 years' time based on market value of the property then, which could have been like hundreds of thousands, thousands of, dollars. of
0: dollars. A lot of money.
1: And in this instance they were really lucky because I happened to be reviewing documents that was sent before I lodged them to the lender and went that entity type is wrong. You need to go back to this conveyancer or solicitor they were and get that changed. And they were like, but that's, they should know what they're doing. And I'm like, I told you up front that if they don't have a knowledge in this space, they will get it wrong. Mm. And you need to ensure that the advisors in this particular technical specialty know what they're
0: doing, or it will cost you a lot of money. (laughs) Now now question, do you read um, the line documents before you send them off to the client? To check the details are correct. I'm putting you on the spot a, here. Now. A, no, <laughs> there's a blank space here because yeah. of course I fucking do. <laughs> okay, well, I had a client who did actually use a broker to purchase mm. a commercial property, mm-hmm. and before she signed the documents, the client mm-hmm. was intelligent enough to read the documents right
1: and uh, as the, every client should be doing might as I every add, client
0: should be doing because
1: let's be honest mistakes can be made and yeah. with lenders they can be made um, and sometimes we don't get mortgage documents we only get um, formal approval, approval right. advices and the documents
0: go straight go to, to, to you client. so she actually read through her documents before she signed them <laughs> and the bank had secured the loan not just against the commercial property that she was buying mm. but also against her home and mm-hmm. investment properties yes which was not ever part of the arrangement Or oh, um, money's clause to be the plan and in actual fact they were intending on selling one of those investment yeah. properties yeah. Yeah. so yeah. had she not read the documents and then rung me I'm not sure why she rang me instead of the broker but rang me and said does this seem right and i said well no not if that's not what the agreement with the bank was go back to the bank and tell them this needs to change. Yeah, but
1: here's the thing, though, right? In commercial space, when you have investment properties and you're the director giving a personal guarantee, um, especially depending on what entity type you're buying, and it is standard bank practice to take all all security.
0: Well they, and took I had, it, they took it all off at her. Request. I had
1: this conversation about another client recently with a business banker. We only needed one property It was worth a million dollars. They owed four hundred thousand dollars. We wanted to put a small overdraft of fifty K secured to mm. that property. And she's like, Oh, we're we gonna take these properties as well. And I went, Nah, no, you're not. Mm. She's like, why? And I said, because none of my clients' properties are cross-collateralized unless there's a very specific reason. And in this instance, the client may want to sell one of these properties in the future and we're not going through the rigmarole of a new credit application because you've decided now to take much more security than you're entitled to and need. And she was like, well, the bank won't like that. And I
0: said, does the bank want the lending or not? I can go elsewhere. Yep, and pretty much what this client did, she went back, Said, no, you can have the commercial property security, but that's it. You're not getting our home and you're definitely not getting the investment property because we're planning on selling it. Yeah. Um, and so, it was a good thing that she had read that and gotten that change because had she signed it, as you say, she would have then had to go and refinance everything in order to sell the property, which I think happened only sort of three or four months later. later.
1: That's right. It would have right. been an additional cost for her. and So, I mean, mm-hmm. it's it's not always – I mean, look, to be honest, though, buck always stops with you. Responsibility stops Ooh. with you. Never sign anything you don't read.
0: Mm, Hello. not. <laughs> it's
1: very simple. Start there. But, yeah, sometimes mistakes are made and they aren't picked up on. But, yes, we always Ooh. try and read what is being Ooh, yeah. sent out before it gets sent out. But sometimes the information's not actually on it for us as brokers. Yeah. Like, but you've got some case studies about – yeah, advice I've got, I've like got um,
0: another example I want to give of the difference of coming and speaking to me and getting advice and not coming and speaking to me to get the advice until it was too late. Yeah. Um, so I had two clients um, last year who sold investment properties. First client rang me well before the end of the financial year, said, we're selling the property. Can we do a bit of an estimate of what the capital gain on the property is going to be and what's our tax going to look like? Okay. So, what we went out, we did an estimate. It wasn't a perfect calc. They didn't have all the information ready, but we were able to do a bit of an estimate to give them an idea because I knew it was going to be a big gain. That held the property for a long time. Yeah, so, okay. it had gone up in value for, for quite, quite a bit. But having that conversation allowed us to see what the game was going to look like, an estimate of what their total taxable income was going to be once they factored in wages and things like that, Um, and then allowed us to also have the conversation with him about if you can find these other documents, we can probably reduce that gain. So, they then had time to go away and dig through their their records and their files and not be scrambling at tax time. But we also were able to have a conversation around what are you going to do with the proceeds of that property? She was about Mm. to retire. They wanted yeah. they wanted more money in their super. Mm-hmm. So, we're able to look at the limits of how much she could contribute to super and claim a tax deduction for and what impact was that then going to have on the tax that she was going to have to pay. That would have been payable had they not yeah. done that. So, we were yeah. able to sit down and have that conversation um, and work, one, know how much money they had to put away to pay For the tax but to also to then have some advice around you can reduce it by making this superannuation contribution um and they went away to have a conversation with both their super fund and their financial advisor to then confirm that that was an appropriate thing for them to do ultimately one meeting i think it was only even an hour or an hour and a half yeah probably saved them thousands in tax because they were able thousands to, in tax. Because they were right. able to put this in place mm. prior to 30G and yeah. therefore had this tax benefit. Versus another client that I had sold <laughs> two investment properties within the one financial year. I never recommend that unless you absolutely have to mm-hmm. because it's going to put your income through the roof. You know, yeah. assuming you've got properties that have gone up in value and in yeah. the current environment in Australia, if you've got properties, they've gone up in value. Um, they sold them I didn't find out till I went to do their tax return that they'd sold these properties very large capital gains on them very large amounts of tax I then found out that the second property that they sold they only signed the contract for it in June so just before the financial year end and it was a private sale to their tenant so they could have actually pushed that back by a matter of weeks pushed the second property sale into the next financial year and it would yeah. have had a very different impact on their tax
1: yeah. I have had stuff like that before if they just asked me questions like about fixed rate expiry. Mm. So they sold a property and if they'd literally made the settlement date two weeks later, they wouldn't have paid the ten grand break fee yeah. on, on the fixed rate that they'd fixed. And it was like, why didn't you just ring me and say, Hey sir, we had a fixed rate on this. I'm pretty sure what's the expiry date? And I would have said, The expiry date is this. Are you selling?
0: Yes. Make
1: sure that your settlement goes in.
0: After, after that, that date, yeah. So, yeah. look, you know, two very simple examples, but, you know, for the sake of a consultation, which I think the first client probably was only $250, we're not talking a lot of money. No, that's it, the thing. Okay. It made a big impact on their ultimate tax position and how much cash they were able to retain from those property sales.
1: Hint, hint, is a very reasonable price account, <laughs> <laughs> FYI.
0: Um, and even, it makes a even, massive difference. Even if it had cost you 500 or or $1,000, it still would have been worth that money.
1: Well, because of the amount of tax saving. Like, this is people don't think ahead. We're still back at <laughs> planning. <laughs> Everybody. <laughs>
0: Sorry. <laughs> Sorry.
1: Forecasting and planning and thinking about the future and mm. how that will then impact the decisions that you make now. And I know that not everybody lives in that space. I really do get it. But Mm. at the same time, a little bit of foresight about consequences of actions will Mm. really change up your entire (laughs) life position and what it bloody costs you in money, especially in tax. No one likes paying tax.
0: (laughs) And look, we're obviously focusing on financing and sort of tax accounting, examples Mm. because that's what we do. Yeah, Um, But I'm sure if you had a chat with your friendly employment lawyer, they would tell you about a situation Mm -hmm. where someone didn't put an employment contract in place or didn't put the right clause in the employment contract because they didn't want to spend the money to get it reviewed and took it off the shelf. Um, correct. That's (laughs) right. You literally took
1: the example out of my (laughs) mouth from the ones that I've had with my own business advisory clients is that paying for advice upfront saves you so much time and energy later. And that goes with your terms and conditions on your website. If you are selling an e-commerce product, have an e-commerce, sorry, selling a product with an e-commerce site, what are your refund terms? Yeah. Like pay someone, get them custom designed for your needs.
0: Yeah, and look, there are off-the-shelf approaches, but the reason that they're off the shelf is because they're not customised. You exactly. All, you all offer very customised individual products and services. So why Unique sh- circumstances. So why shouldn't your advice also be customised to you and what you and your bu- business needs? Because ultimately that's what's going to protect you and save you money in the long term.
1: I'll give you another example of um, clients that – didn't get advice and it was specifically around Mm. insurance. I had a roof plumbing company that um, had come to me for business advice and we were looking at their lending structures and they originally came to me to buy a commercial property for a factory to lease Mm. for their business in their trading entity. And I was like, you need to get some professional advice on structures (laughs) because that is not wise. And it sort of evolved from that. And then the further business advice and mentoring came about of that. But I'd said to them about the insurance. I said, "What you guys, have you done a review of your insurances? Are you using a broker? And they were like, no, we just went to UE to get our public liability insurance. And I went, okay, because he'd been a sole trader Mm. and he just went and got insurance when he started. Great, because a lot of people don't. Yeah, good stuff. Their turnover was $2 million. Their public liability insurance was insured for a turnover of
0: $100,000. That's not quite enough. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, <I think. laughs> a little bit less look every time my insurance comes up for renewal my broker's asking me what was your turnover last year that's have you why taken on right any, have you taken on mm-hmm. any new employees are you offering any new services are you that's doing anything different exactly than I that. Need to be aware of and i'm able to go back to her with oh we started a podcast this year i've taken on yep. an employee this year and she can come back to me with well that doesn't change your insurance change your yes that does does yeah, you i need, need to, to increase it here yeah um, i've got to have certain levels of insurance as part of my same same um, profession and there mm-hmm. are other industries that require you to have certain levels of insurance. So it's yep. important to make sure that you're yep. getting that as well. Um, I think yeah, what we're saying is we're not all, all negative the right advice. Yeah. It's the right advice because it's
1: not always about things going wrong and being too late. We're really talking about getting the right advice to prevent what happens in the future, which is why we're big advocates of tax planning. That is exactly what tax planning is. It's future planning advice to ensure that you don't wait until it's too late to buy that new asset or to sell that good piece of equipment or do whatever you have to do. Something as simple as
0: make that superannuation contribution before that 30 June – deadline 30 30 june is big for accountants you know you want to put your plans in place or have your plan in place before 30 june you may not it may be something that we say don't do it till july which has happened yeah make a payment don't don't make make your super payment yeah don't make the super
1: payment this year you actually need to make it next year because you've sold some clients you've sold some clients and next year is actually going to be a better year for you to look for deductions than this year yeah like there's yeah. heaps of stuff that comes across it. Um,
0: have you got another example? I think there's one more example you'd really like I ha- to share. I have actually got one more example on there, um, which is around a client that purchased um, an investment property and spent six months doing some repairs on it. So, didn't actually put the investment property up to be available for rent. Well, the way the rules work is that you can't claim any of those holding costs until the property is available to be rented so yeah. basically he spent six months doing these repairs and delaying things and look covid came into play as well i'm nothing, yeah delaying circumstances but come to do his tax return and he's basically lost out on six months worth of deductions which includes about 20 grand of interest deductions hmm. whereas if we'd had a conversation about the fact that you're buying this property and you want to do some work to it we could have at least had the conversation and said, well, you need to get the work done as quick as possible because you yep. want to get it on the market and start to advertise it yeah. so that we can then be saying it's available for rent and we can start to claim some of these deductions. And yeah. the works that were done were not hugely significant. Um, so, the question, so the question may also have been, well, do they actually need to be done before a tenant goes in or are they just things that you yeah. would like to do yeah. to the property? Um but, you know, just having had that conversation, we could have come up with a better plan. Yeah. Or if not a better plan, at least understood the consequences of delaying the property being available to yeah. rent so that he didn't come to tax time thinking, I'm getting all these wonderful deductions, when in fact
1: yeah, he's Yeah, but, not- I mean, perfect example of that is we know, like I have a property in Melbourne that is about to become a rental property and it needs a new oh, floor. And I rang you and said, <laughs> if I get the floor done now before it's tenanted, can I claim it? And you were like, no. And I was like, yes. Okay. But if I put a tenant in there, that's <laughs> and then the very <laughs> disruptive for a tenant. So that's not going to work. So all right, yeah. what are my choices? Do I leave the floor? Do mm. I do the floor? And in the end I decided to do the floor and I'll get mm. a depreciation schedule yes. done yeah. to assist with that. Um, and the cost of what's claimable
0: within the property, mm. but pick up the telephone it allowed you to or make an email informed decision, decision about what was the best way for you to proceed. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And then it means that when we come to do your tax, you're not going to be surprised by the result. Because nobody, nobody likes surprises, especially, I don't know, especially when it comes Look, to
1: Look, I tax. won't be surprised, nobody but I might not be su- happy su- about it still, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, so, I mean, I suppose the thing is, is that, guys, if you don't feel that you have advisors that you can trust to pick up the phone and call them, mm. you need new ones. If you yeah. don't know where to go to find them, mm. start maybe asking your friends if they have a trusted advisor that they use. Ring yeah. us. We'll tell you who we use. Yeah. I mean, some of them have been guests on our podcast already. Yeah. Um, you can ask in a local facebook group um Mm. often check google reviews but ultimately it's going to come down to you building a relationship with that person and finding out whether you trust them and whether you feel that they understand and listen to you and have your best interests at heart and here's the other thing sometimes you think you know better than your advisor now if your advisor tells you one thing and you don't agree rather than thinking you know better go and get a second
0: opinion yeah, and put it back on yourself into your own particular industry. Are Correct. you a brookie? Would you allow your accountant to come and give you advice on how to lay those bricks? That's right. Right? If you're a plumber, would you allow your accountant to come and give you advice on how you should be doing the plumbing in their in their house? That's you right. You wouldn't. It works exactly the same, the same way in reverse. Same way in reverse. Yeah, a hundred percent. So this
1: is one of those foundational pieces of having the right entity type and all of those things. They go hand in hand. Having mm. the right advisors will either make you a successful business and a less stressed business mm-hmm. owner yes. or it will break your business potentially because the decisions you're making have no foresight attached to them and end yeah. up costing you hundreds of thousands of dollars. Yeah. 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 So, on that note, we don't have any more time left for today. And next week, we're actually talking about succession planning and business exit strategies. So, feel free to check in next week. Mm-hmm. Um, but in the meantime, if you could leave us a review on whatever app you're listening on, just either hit the four or the five stars or the thumbs up button or whatever you've got as a review option. That helps bump us to the top of um, the podcast charts and we'd really
0: appreciate it. Yeah, we'd love to have some more ears listening in.
1: Okay, we'll see you next week. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Financial Fofu. We really appreciate you tuning in and hope that you have subscribed to our channel. I just wanted to let you all know that the information and material in our podcast and any supplementary and associated information available is for general purposes only. It should not be taken as constituting professional advice from us, the podcast owners and our special guests. And we recommend that you seek independent, suitable advice that is specific for your unique circumstances. Thanks for tuning in. Hope to see you next week. Please, please, please send us, um, use our link and send us any requests or any feedback. We'd really appreciate it. Cheers.